Hello and welcome to Knowledge's Powder, the Knowledge's Powder podcast. This is episode 11, but it's not an Olympic special. This is the normal show. No Olympic chat on this at all. Um, Ian, have you been skiing since we last spoke? Uh, so the trouble is, we've spoken every day for the last two weeks. So, <laughs> no, I did go to Chelsky, which is in like an indoor uh, snow centre, but only the kids got to ski. But I, let's see, this time next week, yeah, this time next week I'll be in Italy. So, coming Very up soon. Very exciting. Um, I'm in Maribel right now. Um, I've been skiing for seven days or six days and I am... I'm exhausted. I feel like it's. I think I've skied too much. Ian, is that possible? I've really pushed myself. Uh, I think you shouldn't be. Um, I'm not one of the kind of first lift, last lift kind of people. I think you need to. You need to pace yourself a little bit on a ski holiday. Otherwise, it just doesn't it doesn't work. I think the people who ski. I mean, feedback welcome. But I think the people who ski first lift to last lift probably aren't doing enough skiing in the bits in between. You know, I'm, I'm into shorter, higher intensity kind of uh, skiing. Yeah, I wish I'd taken that advice. I've I've really pushed myself, and I have probably skied about six to seven, eight hours a day, and I'm really feeling it. And I skied appallingly yesterday, but I have been making a podcast, and I'll have a Mirabel special um, at some point in the future. Uh, I've got another question. Ian. Okay, cool. Another question, Ian. Yeah, I'm quite new to skiing, as we know. I've done a lot of snowboarding, <laughs> um, but my actual skiing is uh, new. That's probably why I skied so much, so excited. Um, wrist straps, does anyone actually use them for the poles? Uh, well, I do. All oh, right. So I'm doing two. I mean, as in, as in, do I slot my hand through the wrist strap to, before I grip the pole? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, well, I do. Oh. I don't know. So yes is the answer. In a sample of one, 100% of people do, or maybe 50% if you want to include you. Yeah. I'm taking it, you don't. 50%. We'll, we'll conduct a Twitter poll and find out more. Okay, let's get cracking with the snow report. I've been skiing in three valleys all week. It's absolutely great conditions. The snow above 1,800 metres in really good shape. Busier runs into resorts are becoming icy, especially as the temperature is fluctuating quite a lot and they are quite busy. Um, there was rain lower down at the beginning of the week as well, causing a varied snowfall lower down. Um, my sources say that it's similar in many of the major alpine resorts. Short term in the Alps, it looks sunny, but there is snow on the horizon with up to 40 centimetres predicted for the beginning of March. Closer to home, Scotland are having a great season, 10 centimetres um, at the beginning of this week, with peat steps of up to 60 centimetres. Over in Canada, the report says it's just cold, and after a poor start in the many of the American resorts, snow has been falling recently. Ian, do you have any ski deals to complement the snow report? <laughs> yeah, I do. I just want to chip in for the French Pyrenees because, as you know, I'm an advocate for them and they, you know, they always get missed out uh, down there. But there's been a metre of snow or maybe two metres of snow in a couple of resorts uh, in the French Pyrenees this week. And it hasn't been uh, uh, you know, uh, raining. Uh, deals wise, um, yeah, you know, as we said before, if you haven't got kids, uh, there's some, uh, some great offers around. I think for the rest of, you know, through early March, mid-March, there are not many flights left. Uh, if you want to drive out there or take the train, then you can get some really good uh, deals without uh, you know, that included independent uh, travel. But for example, you know, you could head out to you know, Sasfe, that's pretty high resort, um, 3rd of March, 
Uh, I saw this in the Hotel Europa. That's catered half board. It's not a chalet. Uh, 779, nice and high. Um, you know, if you wanted to kind of, um, I don't know, really looking for a deal, Pamperovo has had fresh snow this week. And there's some deals out there for around the 500, 550 sort of mark. I picked those up off uh, chaletline.co.uk. Uh, They've got a whole bunch of uh, offers on their lates page. Amazing. I've just got one to add to that. Um, same with you saying about the flights. Um, without the flights, even even into the Easter holidays, um, you can come out where I'm staying in Maribel um, with Alpine Action for 399 if you're prepared to fly on your own without their assistance or if you um, if you want to drive out. I think the cost of driving out roughly works out if you do tolls and the Eurostar. It's between 400 and 500 pounds, depending on how economical your vehicle is. So it's it's definitely yeah sorry about. was that easter do you say yeah 24th of 24th. march that's so easter the, that's the, so the week, week yeah time. i think it's a week before uh, you know around our way yeah i mean a lot of the flights are sold out but you're right those deals are around and i think that that's good because if you talk about a family of four and your cost is 400 in the car then add on 100 let's say i think you what you need to do is make sure you get yourself a, a deal on eurostar um or uh, or the ferry but yeah good Good offers around. Get out skiing. It's uh, the best snow for a generation. Right then, Ian, let's talk about some news that isn't Olympic related. What have you got for us? Nothing out there. Everything is to do with the Olympics. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. No, I saw this article. Um, Can't remember where I uh, uh, read it now. I think it was actually on a, a Dutch website. And it says stricter drug controls on French ski slopes, specifically aimed at the Dutch Spaniards. And it goes on to uh, to kind of say French authorities implementing stricter measures on drug use. Um, but I was I was I was quite surprised really because apparently uh, most of the nar- narcotics uh, come from uh, or have been taken from the uh, Netherlands and and Spanish Dutch and Spanish tourists. And I just assumed it would be the British tourists who would be the ones who were, who were, I don't know, <laughs> the the naughtiest, the uh, the highest users, etc. Um, you ever? I don't know if it's the right maybe, question for you, Jim. But you, have you ever come across any illicit drugs in the Alps? Um, not personally, but um, I'm aware that they exist. Um, maybe it's more the fact that the, the the countries that you're talking about they haven't got a water border to cross so um are more likely to bring it and sell it whereas um, the brits uh, tend to um search for it when they're in resort i don't know i don't i'm not uh, i'm not in the cartel mm, well it says that in, in the season a couple of years ago 15 16 there were 500 kilograms of uh, cannabis cocaine and ecstasy confiscated in french alps that's, I mean, that, it's hard to put that in context, like but that like seems a, like a lot to me. You need to do, you need to come back in with those facts in a Blue Peter style, like how many double-decker buses would that cannabis fill? That's, that's... Yeah, or size of size of whales, that's the other yeah. sort of character. Well, if you um, put those ecstasy pills end-to-end, how many times around the world will they go? Yeah. I need that. I do need remember that. when I was, when I was doing my seasons, um, chatting to some of the uh, locals there, who told me that um, Valterans uh, was a popular place for Leon drug dealers to keep their stash because in in apartment blocks, 
uh, like that. There's always people going in and out at any time of day. There's a you know really high turnover of uh, people, and it's a good place for them to to chill out. And they go and get their stash, and then they go down to Lyon, Saint Etienne, and then sell at the nightclubs. So there might be more fines uh, available that have nothing to do with the Dutch and the Spanish. So if you're looking to um, start up a drug business out in the Alps, do give us a call. <laughs> we can give you some. We can give you some top tips. Um, the other thing I liked. The thing I liked about your story, Ian, was the last line um, right. in the news article that said, "In teen, in teens, um, the police are handing out ID cards to younger revelers." Um, I don't know why I use the word revelers. Makes me sound sixty. Um, young people who like going out, getting drunk in resort, or taking drugs, and they've got to fill out their accommodation details so that the police can assist them back to their accommodation when they're found. Um, it works. Well, that, wear. That, that's not really anything to do with drugs. That sounds more like a British uh, uh, problem. I mean, there was a story in. Um, in Val d'Isere a while ago, you remember, you know, we had all that huge amounts of snow earlier in January and uh, the Fournay area of Val d'Isere was cut off from the rest of the town. Well, this guy came, he's a British guy, came out of the pub and instead of turning left to go back down to Ladai, he turned right and somehow actually managed to make it up to Fournay walking he managed to get to an area that was cut off by snow and he was shouting, you know, help from the, uh, in the woods or whatever he is, and someone came out and they uh, they rescued him. He could have done with one of those little um, leaflets saying actually where he was staying, and possibly some kind of homing beacon or a giant ball of string. Yeah, um, I've got some news about our friend Jamie Barrow. Remember him, Ian? Jamie Murray, the tennis player. <laughs> Jamie Barrow, the um, snowboarder. Oh, Jamie Barrow. Right. Okay. No. Tell um, me. What's he he has just broken the fastest. Um, he's now the fastest snowboarder in the world for the second time. He's broken his own record. Um, he he, uh, he um, got up to a speed. Um, no, he, he got the record of one hundred and forty-nine point six five kilometers an hour. That's the average of two runs. Um, his top speed was one hundred and fifty-one point five seven kilometers an hour, which is nearly 45 miles an hour he did this on um, the frozen lake San Moritz and so yeah he's very pleased he's broken his own record he's gone faster he always knew he would have done right. um, but the, the crucial part of this story in is the fact that he was towed behind a Maserati Levante SUV um, here's some quotes from Jamie about how excited he was to um, break his record I'm absolutely delighted to have broken my own record Jamie said I always knew there was much more speed possible with the right conditions and, crucially, the right car to Satomi. Mm. The Maserati Levante made light work of the ice and snowy conditions, giving us the grip to really hit top speed. I beg to differ, Ian. I've watched die another day, and I'm pretty sure the Aston Martin vanquish on the ice was pretty much faster. <laughs> and it wasn't that the one that had a button where you could turn it invisible? Uh, possibly. I'm not sure how that would be useful if you were trying to like break a world record, but it does sound like possibly his uh, his quote kind of went through the Maserati PR team first. The, it does, it doesn't roll off the tongue that quote. Yeah. he's up against in terms of the um, the the PR and speed records. Uh, Graham Bell uh, had a similar speed attempt uh, with a some kind of Jaguar. I couldn't tell you what kind of Jaguar it was. Where they towed him over an ice lake. And I think that he 
he didn't break the fastest skier in the world because there's actually someone who did it by skiing downhill but he was the fastest uh, person on skis being towed behind a vehicle and i believe he wants to try and do that again so so for people being it's been a, anyway a good week for snowboarders being towed behind maserati suvs Absolutely, and a good week from it. I, I actually attempted a similar record myself behind one of the um, Nevets in team one season. It was really, it was really snowy on the ground, so I wasn't going to ruin the edges of my snowboard. And they put handles on the back, so um, I just grabbed hold of that and uh, probably reached about ten kilometres an hour before I thought it's probably a silly idea. Yeah, yeah. Was that when you were wearing um, a rabbit costume? Because that could have slowed you down. No, that was. It was the same season, but it was later on once I had ditched the rabbit right. costume. Um, that would have been big news, rabbit towed by bus. Well, we'll have to get Jamie back on again to tell us all about that. And yeah, perfect. That was all our news. The Ski Podcast, proving that the ski chat is anything but humdrum. Remember, knowledge is powder. Get in touch with the show, tweet at the ski podcast or email the ski podcast at gmail.com. Uh, Ian, um, have, have we had any new reviews? I'm delighted yet? to say that we uh, we have. Um, on iTunes, we're up to 16 yes. different reviews now, and it's looking five star. And these are really important because it helps people find us and find the uh, podcast. So we want to say thanks to people. And there's one here from. Um, uh, Dave from Switz, which I'm guessing he's probably out in Switzerland. And he says, any skiing podcast is very welcome. And these guys are doing a good job. And we've got another one from Ho in the Garden, which is, I guess, a bit of a pun, isn't it? And uh, they say, five stars, great, great podcast. Really fills that gap between skiing and going skiing again, which is kind of what we're doing. <laughs> what we're doing, filling in that gap between skiing and going skiing again. Nicely humorous. And both presenters have an exceptional knowledge of the ski industry. Which is which is really nice to hear. How in the garden? That wasn't you, was it, Jim? Uh, no, it wasn't me. It was uh, it was my mum. <laughs> okay, well, um, she's doing well in the garden. And thanks for those uh, reviews. And don't forget, you, you can uh, review us on iTunes and follow us on SoundCloud or or whatever way you get your uh, podcast. And those reviews are, are really helpful. And subscribe as well. And then you know, as soon as it comes into as soon as it's published, then you'll be able to get it straight away. And you can always engage with us on uh, on Twitter as well, at, at The Ski Podcast. Right, so we've just got time for this. Um, Dragon's Den time, or uh, Grot de Grip, I believe we used to call it, before we got lost in the world of the Olympics. Sorry, I've mentioned that. We should have a fine fine for mentioning it from now on. I don't think there's any problem with mentioning the the Olympics. I mean, um, yeah, but anyway, go on. Tell me what it is. Uh, what, what I've got, got is I've got a, um app that will stop Olympics coming up in your feed. No, just joking. <laughs> um, what have we got? It's um, called Zook. It's a rocker for your ski boot. Um, uh, it's um, Essentially, it's a metal clip. You slide it onto the bottom of your ski boot. Um, essentially, um, so you need to drill a hole in your boot at the base and then add a screw into it. And what it does is it creates a natural rocker, a bit like those special shoes if you've got a bad back, um, on your ski boots to help you walk slightly easier, I suppose. Um, and the other bit that's good about it is that it stays on your boot even when you're wearing your skis. Now, Ian, you probably want to know who wants this product. The answer uh, is... 
absolutely yeah. no one. They've got um, a crowdfunder out there, a, th- a target of £11,000. And so far, they've got 55 backers and less than 40 hours to go. Even even this podcast won't be able to make a difference to that, unfortunately. Um, Ian, do you have a problem with walking in ski boots? Do you think this would be a useful product for you? They, you know, I kind of know what they mean. I mean, everyone knows that ski boots aren't particularly nice to uh, walk in. I think unless you've got really high-performance uh, kind of alpine boots, there tends to be a reasonable amount of flex in them. Certainly all the, the hike and ride ones are good. And they can be a bit jarring uh, on the knees. Uh, I'm not sure about you screw it into the sole. Yeah, I've just called up the uh, the website at the moment, so it's called Zook, right? Z U K E. That's the that's what it is. Yeah, switch ski, switch walk. It says. Yeah, when you so you screw it into the sole, and it's it's there permanently, is it? Yeah, it's a permanent fixture. You kind of slide it on. It's got rails. Yeah. Slides down the side of your boots, yeah. and then you need to fix it with. I a, can't. I, it's got like it. I can't help thinking if that was a really good design idea, then ski boot manufacturers would actually produce slightly curved uh, boots in the first place. Um, well, you get inventor Roni Shirion. Uh, we want to take the experience of your ski holiday to a different level. Yeah, it looks like they might. They might just miss out. Yeah, I don't think they're really going to get the funding, even if even if you and me bought a pair now yeah. um, for £40. Pounds, yeah, it does say, though, at the bottom, it's uh, it's got key features. It's glove-friendly, so that's pretty useful. My boots are already glove-friendly. Yeah. So, sadly, I, I um, we're not going for that one, right? Not going to buy it. We'll get a product on Sunni, and that we will mm. buy. It'll probably just be a pair of skis that are really good for skiing. <laughs> yeah. But no, that sounds or, or some waterproof. Water I reckon trousers. they're out there already somehow. That's not really, you know, there's no, there's no world changing uh, uh, technology. But you know, every now and then there are some, uh, there are some ideas. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna think of one. Um, and now I know, I know you don't want to talk about the Olympics. Let's go on. One, one thing before we, uh, before we finish. I heard on a podcast. I listened to other podcasts uh, as well that apparently ski jumpers like to go into their events a bit jet lagged because uh, being a, a bit kind of uh, discombobulated at the top of the jump is actually good for them because if they realise what the hell they were doing, they would actually be terrified. And so jet lag is a legal drug. Yeah, a legal drug and uh, encouraged in the world of ski jumping, so which could explain why Eddie the Eagle looked how he did the whole time and if you're on home turf the day before i'm just gonna have a quick flight to america come <laughs> back for the competition yeah yeah perfect perfect way of planning for it yeah it seems like the most sensible way i mean if you're gonna get into ski jumping you know might as well enjoy flying as well well that's good. we're going to end on that note i think Ian. thank you very much for joining us and that is all from us like we said earlier make sure you subscribe share or tweet us at the ski podcast Thanks very much, Ian, and catch you next time.